Hello and welcome to In Their Twenties, a web series where we interview the most influential leaders from various industries and ask them what they were doing while in their 20s. This series is hosted by Michael Holmes and Landon Campbell. We have a lot of amazing interviews coming up, so make sure to click that follow button on Spotify so you are notified when each episode is released. Also, visit our YouTube channel and our website to let us know who you want us to interview. On today's episode, we had an amazing interview with Tomer Yoga. Tomer has a long list of accolades, including being an executive coach, professor, an entrepreneur, and co-founder and joy hacker at The Big Joy Theory. Let's find out what advice Tomer has to bring joy to students and professionals in their 20s. How did you end up measuring success? Was it through specific personal or professional accomplishments? So, you know, in my 20s, I had it wrong, man. I'll be really honest. In my 20s, I was gaining a lot of satisfaction about the fact that I had a really nice title, that I was making more money than my peers, that, you know, my my girlfriend was hotter than my buddies, you know, those sorts of things. I thought it was working for me because, you know, here here's the rules of life, you know, have a good title, make some money, be with someone who's, you know, smart and hot and whatever. I was doing all those things. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I, I must be winning. Um, and, it, and it didn't really work for me very well. It, 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 it did on the surface, right? Everybody thought I was kind of killing it. Um, but in truth, it, it, it wasn't. I, I didn't really love what I was doing. Um, the woman I was with, you know, I'm still friends with her to this day, right? But she, she, she's not my wife. She's not, you know, the, my, my life partner. Uh, and so it, it really took a bit of like taking a step back and recognizing I had played the game enough. And I had done everything that people had asked of me. And, and for me, the kind of watershed moment was um, when I got my MBA from the University of Chicago, right? So here I am, I have this very esteemed degree from this very esteemed institution, you know, in, in playing the game, you're not gonna do a whole hell of a lot better than that. And so I did that and I was like, but it, it still felt very much like I'm still at square one. Like I've done everything everyone asked me for and I'm still, right? And so that really forced me to start taking that step back and reevaluate what are those guideposts that I'm really measuring myself on? What, what really does matter? So now it starts becoming a matter of finding my own measures and mechanisms around what brings me joy. What, what, um, what do I find positive and productive that I can be doing every single day? And that's fundamentally what got me into first really helping entrepreneurs because my, my, my history up to that point had been being an entrepreneur myself because I really enjoyed the entrepreneurial journey, but um, I didn't really want to have to do it again, but I really wanted to help other people in their own journeys. And then from that, that led me into executive coaching because what I came to realize is the part in that that brings me the most satisfaction is the, mo is the more um, 
personal, emotional, psychological kind of component of entrepreneurship. And so that's what I do every day. And, you know, it's, is it the thing that brings me the most esteem and money and whatever that it, I could possibly do? Probably not. But every time I finish a coaching session, I'm pretty much on cloud nine, right? I, I help someone in a meaningful way. I am helping, you know, move entrepreneurship forward, you know, keep this entrepreneur going and motivated and excited and, you know, hopefully aiding in their business and its growth and so on and so forth. And it just makes me feel good, right? It warms me deep down inside. And I get great satisfaction and pleasure from it. Um, it's also why I teach, right? So um, you know, it, it, it's not exactly the same, but having a room full of students that I can then inspire into considering entrepreneurship, thinking a little differently, disengaging from the corporate mindset and everything that they've kind of been brainwashed with to that point. It's not as it's not as personal as the one-on-one -on -one that I get with coaching, but it's you know obviously a wider audience, right? I get whatever forty students at a shot, um, and so yes, I have to teach them something as well, otherwise I get in trouble. But uh, but fundamentally, what I'm trying to do in the courses I teach is disrupt some of that pattern thinking and get them exploring these very concepts that we're talking about here. I feel like a lot of people in their 20s believe there's a specific structure to life. Like I need to do this. I need to do that because someone else has done it um, or I'm being told to do it. You know, your 20s, you know, that's a great time to really discover who you are. Uh, you need to be curious. Uh, you need to you know, be free in intellectual thought. Um, yeah. Knowing that the moves that you make in your 20s can really propel you to a life of positivity and a life of pure happiness in what you do. Yeah, because so much of the narrative that we get, you know, listen, up until that point you're in school, your job is to get A's, uh, you know, as much as humanly possible, right? To, to just do everything you can to get straight A's. And to the degree that you, you didn't get, you know, a 4.0 from Harvard, then there's some sort of, rationalization that needs to be made, right? That you're just, maybe I'm just not smart enough or, you know, racism and sexism and all these other isms are real, um, so on and so forth. And again, it's not to diminish those things by any means. It's just to say, right, like we need to understand at some level why I didn't get 4.0s at Harvard because that is what we were all shooting for, essentially, right? That's what we were all told we need to do. And then you come out of you know, high school or college or wherever you get off the education path, you know, PhD, whatever. Now you enter into the adult world and now it's the same sort of thing. Like, okay, you need to go be the CEO and make the most money and this is, right? And it's that same sort of competitive, climb the corporate ladder and to the degree that you don't, it's again, needs that rationalization. It needs that, you know, oh, it's, you know, I didn't work hard enough, it's da, 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 whatever, right? And as someone who does executive coaching for a living, I can tell you the people who win that game, the people who have 4.0s from Harvard 
and go on and become CEOs of corporations. These are not happy people. These are not people with great satisfaction in their life. They, they have a ton of money. They look like everything's going very well for them. But once you peel that onion back, even a little bit, there's a lot of dissatisfaction. There's a lot of, hey, I did everything anyone ever asked of me, right? They played the game way better than you or I ever have, right? I didn't get 4.0s from Harvard, right? They did. I didn't climb the race to become CEO. They did. So they played all the games. They listened to everything they were supposed to do. They did it. And now when they're at the top of the mountain, they're like, what? Really? Like this sucks, right? And so it's, it, 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 it's again, so much of what we're told, is, it's what I call kind of the corporate mindset. It's this sort of linear path that you just, you know, you work and you get better and you work and you'll get paid more and you work and you get promoted and da, 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 da. And if you just do everything right, you get to the mountaintop, the CEO of some Fortune 500 with tons of money and everything in your life is grand. And it's, it's just straight up bullshit. Like that is just not true. And at some level, we all kind of know that. And yet we still hold ourselves to the rules of that game. We still go, oh man, I've been at this job for three years and I haven't been promoted. I must suck. Or, you know, my buddy who, you know, isn't half as smart as I am makes more money than me. I must be doing something wrong, right? And, and so we're still measuring ourselves by all those same guideposts and all those same rule sets, even though we all know that the CEO with hundreds of millions of dollars is not actually winning at life. They're winning financially, I'll give them that, and money does buy a lot of nice stuff, you know, and I'm, and, and I'm by no means, you know, anti-money or anti-capitalist or any of those things. But the more you get to know and engage and interact with really wealthy people, the more you realize that money is just absolutely not the answer to winning at life and being happy and you know, having joy and satisfaction every day. If anything, it, it's almost a counterbalance to it, and so um, so finding those things that really matter, knowing that you know, okay, yeah, you got, you do have to make money. Without money, you you, you don't eat. So yes, okay, money is this thing you got to figure out as part of it, but it is not what's most important. The the, the title, the money, the 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 industry that you work in, you know, oh, my, my, my dad said I had to become a lawyer. So I'm like, eh, you know, I don't know. Are you, like, does being a lawyer bring you joy? If it doesn't, then a 40 plus year career in law <laughs> sounds really, really rough, regardless of how much money you might make, regardless of how much esteem and degrees and whatever else stuff comes with. What advice would you have for students and professionals in their 20s? And maybe what's some advice that you would have given yourself in your 20s? Yeah, I think the most important thing about your 20s 
is recognizing that it's the 20s. And what I mean by that is, and I, and I hate to come across ageist, but you're still young. You still have a lot of like opportunity and life and experience to gain. And the reality is, is you're only so far removed from your teen years, right? So if we look at sort of the, the prototypical teenager of like, I know everything and I've got all life figured out, you know, and now that you're in your 20s, you can look at a 16 year old and be like, oh, kid, no, <laughs> you, you don't know what the hell you're talking about, mm -hmm. you know, that sort of thing. You know, when, when you celebrate your 20th birthday and you move out of your teens and into your 20s, it's not like that just vanishes on the spot. You know, yes, you are maturing. Yes, maybe you don't have all of that false bravado, but it's still there. You still think, okay, I, you know, I'm an adult. I have my whatever college degree now, maybe. I got my first job. I'm paying my own rent and, you know, can afford my own car or whatever. Um, right? And all of those things tend to happen in your 20s, those, those kind of adulting moments. And so you take it as sort of, okay, well, then I, I'm an adult. And it's like, yes, you are, but no, you're not. You're, you're still not, you know, and there's still so much to get figured out. There's still, and it's not even the adulting things. It's not even, you know, how do you, how do you pay the electric bill every month and, you know, get good credit and, you know, that's, you know, sure. But it's all the nuance and subtlety of just how do you move in the world each day? And so going back to the question of, you know, what is the advice? I think it's get that varied experience, try different things, meet different people, do different stuff and, and just learn and just figure it out and see, you know, what you like, what you don't like, how does it work? Now that you do have your own money and independence and so on and so forth, leverage it and understand that so much of your thinking from what it is you like to what your job should be, to how you should live, to the, the person you should date or marry or whatever, all of that stuff is so incredibly heavily biased by everything that has preceded it. Your, your, your childhood, what you took on from your parents, what you learned from a teacher, so on and so forth. And it's not to say that all of those people are bad, um, but they're living their life. They're doing whatever they're doing. They have their own biases that they receive from their parents and teachers and whatever. And it's really a great time to just explore and experiment and the risks in your 20s are so much lower even though they feel really high because oh my gosh I need to go get my apartment you know if I don't if I can't figure out a way to make money and have my own apartment then you know I'm failing in my 20s and so it's not to say that it is riskless there's certainly risk but the stakes are considerably lower and so even though it even though they feel higher than they've ever been. And so if you understand all of that and understand that a failure in your 20s, nobody's really gonna hold that against you. It's gonna provide such great learning. It's such a good time to go out there and experiment and try new things and take some risks. And so, um, that is absolutely what I would tell young people. And it's really something I wish someone had kind of continually 
pushed on me. If I look at my 20s, if I have a, you know, kind of broad level regret about my 20s, it's that um, I got too comfortable. A Japanese philosophy that I've been following pretty close. It's called Ikigai. Have you heard? I thought that's where you're going. And Ikigai in the center kind of, you know, encompasses what you need to do to find joy. First circle being uh, do something that you love. Second being uh, do something that the world needs. Third being do something that you're good at. And the fourth being do something you can get paid for. With the entirety of Ikigai as a subject, I just wanted to get your thoughts on it and experiences of like how you've utilized something like that. Yeah, no, I... Thanks for bringing it up, man. I, like, I could talk about this stuff all day long. So, yeah, Ikigai's a really lovely model. As a whole, I'm a fan. I do think it has some shortcomings, which I'll get to in a second. To your point, if you can answer those four questions and find something that, that lines up in all of those four segments that is Ikigai, you're winning. Right? Like if, if that's all you do in life is figure out what that thing is right in the middle of that Venn diagram that all four sections overlap and you wake up each day and you do that even just a little bit, you're a winner. Right? Like you, you could stop there <laughs> and be just fine. Um, what I'd say is this though, is there are two kind of big models right now that it's Ikigai is definitely the more Eastern. And then in the West, there's one called PERMA uh, that comes from a guy named Martin Seligman um, and, and it's oriented around happiness. Um, there's a, a course right now out of Yale that everybody with uh, the quarantine right now, everyone's going on Coursera because they're offering it for free and you know, blah, blah, blah. And that's all based on PERMA as well. They're both fine models. I'm not going to like trounce either of them, but what I would say is this, is they, there is sort of a limitation, uh, there, there's sort of a ceiling to them. And the way I kind of explain that is, if you're familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, so at the bottom level, you have things like physiological and safety needs, right? And going back to corporate mindset thinking, money is actually a really reasonable way to adjust, right? Like if you are worried about being safe and being clothed and being fed in these kind of really base level sorts of things. Uh, yeah, we live in a capitalistic world, you know, like it or not, <laughs> but you're going to need money for that, right? Like with, without money, it is hard to feed and clothe and shelter yourself. Um, so kind of corporate mindset thinking is actually fairly reasonable at those lower levels. When you step into the middle levels, where you start talking about self-esteem and belonging and love and those sorts of things, uh, that's where Ikigai and PERMA match up pretty well. If you can stay in a place of happiness, then those things naturally follow, right? If, if you're kind of genuinely happy, not just like the fake bullshit happy, but like really happy, you will belong. People will love you. You will have self-esteem. Like it's pretty hard to be really happy without self-esteem, right? So like those things match up pretty well. 
But then when you get to those upper levels of Maslow's, when you get into um, actualization and transcendence, that's where those things start falling off. Just the way corporate mindset thinking falls off at those middle, right? Like if all I'm trying to do is make money, my belonging, my self-esteem, right? Like, mm, no, that's not going to work so well. We can see that. What's a little harder to see for a lot of people is if you follow those kind of ikigai and perma models, they also fall off at that top level. Just doing something that you're good at, that makes money, et cetera, you know, those four domains of ikigai, does not necessarily mean you're fully self-actualized, right? It means you're doing some good work. Again, you're, you're winning. You're doing better than most people. I, and that's why I like Ikigai, because it's, it's definitely productive for where most people are at. But are you going to get to like a full level of self-actualization? Are you really going to get to a level of transcendence where you are operating at such a high level that everyone around you benefits? I don't see that with Ikigai. I don't see that with Perma. And so that's why I orient so heavily around this concept of joy. Because the more you really understand what your joy is individually, the more you operate in that, the more you understand the context by which you can be in that space, that then leads to self-actualization and transcendence. I'm, I'm matching that, you know, doing things that matter and, and, and make me money and that I'm good at and, you know, all the Ikigai kind of guidelines or the PERMA guidelines or whatever, right? It's, you can get there and if you do that, it's pretty good. But there is a differentiation of that that needs to be done. So going back to what I see the 20s as, since that's kind of your, your first real decade as an adult, with kind of your own money, with real independence, with da-da-da. That's the time to really learn to separate those two concepts as much as you can. Yes, this makes me happy, but is it joy? Yes, this is sex, but is it love? Right? And, and the more you can do that personally and professionally, again, when the stakes are low, er, lower, that's in my mind, how you, how you win your 20s. That's how you kind of take your 20s and, and make them the most productive because the faster you can figure that, all that stuff out, just the more life you get to live in that, in that way. And the, you know, listen, if you could figure it out at five, God bless, right? Like, well done. But I think it's really hard to do that when you're five because you still are reliant on your parents and you don't make your own money and da 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 right? So now that you're in your 20s, that that is even available to you. That's the opportunity. Thank you for listening to the In Their 20s podcast. And for a full video version, please visit our YouTube channel. And for more information about Tomer Yogev, please visit our website.